Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. And though markets are starting to get a grip with regards to possible contagion risks stemming from China Evergrande's ongoing debt woes, some questions and uncertainties remain. And also, what lessons can we learn actually from Evergrande's recent problems and issues? Well, today on Money FM 89.3, we're joined once again by Mr. Noli Depala, who is the Chief Investment Officer for Tri Lake Partners, a wealth management firm based here in Singapore. And he's here to share with us their recent thoughts on what's been happening with China Evergrande and how that's impacting the way they manage risk at their firm. Nolly, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these times. And welcome back to the show, sir. It's been a while and I hope you've been well. Thank you, JP. Good afternoon. Yes, we have been well. And this was one of the head scratchers really at the last couple of days with China Evergrande. Last Thursday, we saw markets cheer somewhat when Evergrande committed to meeting their domestic bond payments due on that day. But then a lot of heads were left to be scratched on the repayment of Evergrande's offshore dollar bonds, and there has been no word yet if they actually made those particular payments. I mean, for a company this big facing a debt pile that high, basically, um, how significant is it when someone like Evergrande misses payments like that, and what kind of waves does it create for market sentiment? Well, somebody who owes $300 billion and fails to make a payment uh, that'll that'll get your attention, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have to remember that no company in the world operates in a vacuum. Evergrande has they have contractors, they have suppliers, they have employees that they all have to be paid. And those contractors and suppliers, they also have employees. So there's that ripple effect. Subsidiaries of Evergrande, they need capital support, they need financial support. Evergrande also has uh, the business partners that get a lot of uh, revenue from from working with Evergrande, people like real estate brokers. Some of these people, including their own employees, they've had to take even wealth management products or properties in lieu of payment, in lieu of cash. So, you know, what are those things worth? You have all of these concomitant issues down the line with a company this big and the size, uh, the sheer size of the real estate industry in China. So it is significant. Yeah. Given the size and the potential significance of these issues, you know, everyone has been trying to find a comparison. Some have actually compared it to what happened to Lehman Brothers about 13 years ago, to long-term capital management collapse even earlier than that. They've also flaunted the potential of what some are calling a Minsky moment. Lolly, you've been watching the markets longer than I have. How concerned are you about the potential financial contagion across regional markets? And are any of those potential parallels worth merit? No, I think from, just from a journalistic point of view, I think it's always good to look for historical parallels mm-hmm. to make your article more interesting. However, in this case, I think those comparisons, while you, you can see some parallelism, they're not quite that valid at all. So I'm not even, I'm not even a fraction of the level of concern that I had back in October of 2008. And you have to remember that we had. We had already rumblings a year before, like November 07. I was with HSBC, and we were looking at our acquisition in the U.S., household finance, and realized, uh-oh, we have a problem here. Now, the year before the GFC really exploded. And the same thing with Evergrande. We've known for years that, that this company was excessively levered. And for TriLake, we only had about three Chinese real estate companies that we felt were were worthy credit risk for our standards. So we've known for years that, that Evergrande is excessively levered. And then the party came out 
with you know the three red lines, which they did not pass at all. And remember, the other thing is that Lehman, you know, what else did you do? Uh, long-term capital management. These are you know banks and financial firms, and they're they're in the financial industry where the interlinkages are are more critical to how how the real world works. So if you think about JP, think about your own body and your circulatory system, mm-hmm. blood coursing through your veins, right? Well, money and credit, that's the lifeblood of our market economy. And during the GFC, the, the banks just became all too paranoid about who's holding what. I mean, who do we lend to? Who, is, who, who can we not lend to? Who's holding Lehman? Who's holding the derivatives coming out of AIG in London? And, you know, that that worldwide paranoia sort of created a stroke in your circulatory system and it was a shock and just credit stopped flowing so that was a whole kettle of fish this is not going to happen in evergrande issue so and i'm glad you brought up the three red lines there and all the you know it's all part of china's broad efforts to try and cool property prices bring down leverage in the property sector which could be beneficial in the long term. Um, but, you know, the property sector is estimated about 10% of the entire economy. When you consider a lot of the industries in China, it could even rise about 30 to 40% of China's GDP. How complicated might this be for you know, regulators and markets to get it right in terms of trying to bring rein in some of these excessive r- potential risks in the property sector, especially in a place uh, as big as China? Yeah, you're right. That's, that's sort of what complicates it, the fact that the real estate uh, industry, along with their ancillary industries and construction, and they're sort of uh, a good 30%, a good third of the GDP. And on top of that, about three quarters of household wealth is actually in housing. And you see a lot of these empty apartments in China just sitting there. They're not occupied. People just bought them, I don't know, for, for no other choice. So that's sort of what complicates it. On the other hand, it's not as complicated as GFC. You remember that the Fed and the other central banks, they didn't have the same tools as they do now. Uh, With their limited tools, they had to do what they had to do. And it took a while. It took a lot of uh, leaning on certain institutions to be white knights and and working with government in the U.S., working with Congress in, in such a toxic political environment. So it was quite complicated. Is that a problem in, in China? Yeah, the, the Fed, ECB, they didn't have the power of the Chinese Communist Party. So uh, the party can even say, uh, again, back to the, the body uh, analogy, you can, you can amputate Evergrande and stanch the bleeding that happens, and it will bleed, and you can stanch the bleeding elsewhere. I mean, yeah, you may not be as concerned, for instance, for foreign holders of Evergrande dollar bonds, but you certainly have to be concerned about all of these retail investors who have uh, who are holding their wealth management products or who bought who bought uh, pre-construction of these housing units. So you also have to be concerned about them. But they have the power to do that. Remember, the Chinese government, they control the banking system. If the, if the government says, hey, lend, you know, the banks say, uh, how, how much? much? Yeah. And you sort of alluded to this as well, Nolly, that you know there's so much excess uh, supply in terms of housing. I believe uh, they were estimated they could house either Canada, France, or the entire population of Germany, for instance, in all the unused apartments out in mainland China. Is this the bigger red flag, for lack of a better term, if people are looking at potential risks in China? 
I think it's a, a red flag in the eyes of the Chinese government. They know that this speculation, this obsession with real estate amongst uh, Chinese investors is not a good thing. President Xi has already said, you know, housing is for, for living in. It's not for speculation. But maybe a history lesson might ease mind. When we said that, you know, in China, about three-fourths of household wealth is in housing, it wasn't that long ago. It was late 80s. Mm-hmm. Where in the U.S., housing, residential housing, comprised, constituted more than 50% of U.S. household wealth. Hmm. What happened? Did, did, did Americans stop buying houses? No. I mean, what happened was interest rates kept falling. Technology took over our lives. China entered the WTO and all of this. And the, the value of financial assets exploded since the early 80s. And, you know, this is, this is the boomer generation putting all their money in there and subsequent generations putting their money into financial assets. So it wasn't because Americans you know, became less obsessed with, with, with buying housing. No, it's just that other assets came to the fore. And I suspect China's efforts, I don't think they've derailed their efforts to improve their market economy and their market access and their financial access. I think that's the path that will happen over the long run and that financial assets will come to the fore. Households, individuals will, will invest more into other assets other than real assets. They'll also go into paper assets. And then and, and that'll reduce the weight of housing in the household wealth. Just to cap off our interview here, you know, we've seen that markets, not just uh, because of what's happened with China Evergrande, seem fairly shaky heading into the fourth quarter. They've highlighted some of the uncertainties coming out of mainland China, potential tightening from certain uh, monetary policymakers. Supply chain issues continue to weigh on sentiment and also the pervasiveness of COVID. Based on what you're tracking, do you, do you expect that the, the end of the year is going to be a rocky end for markets for the most part? I I hope so. <laughs> you hope so. Okay. I, mean, I get I get pretty I get really antsy when it's not rocky when when things are just smooth like like sort of last summer when nothing was happening. I, I kind of get a little nerve nervous when that happens. No, I think I think the issue that we have for the rest of the year is will the supply chains uh, work themselves out like everybody expects or hopes them to do. There are certainly some things that will last a little bit longer. The, the issues, for instance, in Southeast Asia, as far as containing or at least living with COVID, that's, a, that's an issue as far as these export-oriented uh, countries. But as far as the movement of goods and services, I, I think it's improving. It'll take a while for all of these things to unwind, it's, and, and shipping is still ghastly expensive, but it'll work itself out. I think the labor issues... Uh, well, we'll watch September's numbers, but September is certainly an interesting number. We'll, we'll produce certain interesting numbers for, for labor in the U.S., whether the back-to-school thing is bringing back the people to work, whether the, the people that are 50 and over will really not come back to work anymore because they really haven't. They've decided to <laughs> retire early. So I think September is going to be an interesting number, and that will show us whether these things... Uh, these workouts will happen sooner rather than later. But I think it'll work itself out. Dolly Depala, CIO for TriLake Partners, thank you so much for joining us today on Money FM 89.3. As always, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these times and look forward to next time we can have you join us on the show. Meanwhile, we hope you have a great end to the month of September and a great rest of the week ahead, sir. Thank you, JP. Always welcome.
Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.